apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, an equal housing lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 2011280L, call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Rister, along with Justin Alfio. And the, and the issues with the Nets have continued. As yesterday, Steve Nash and the Nets have parted ways. Steve Nash is done as head coach of the Brooklyn. He's out as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Jock Vaughn takes over on an interim basis. And this thing was a mess. It was a mess in the offseason with Kyrie and Durant wanting out. Then Durant says, I'll play if Steve Nash and Sean Marks get fired. And you knew this. I, had a, I, I thought they were going to be their best team. I thought they squared everything away with that meeting in London, but they, they absolutely didn't. You knew – you knew uh, – you knew what their slow start thing things were things changes were going to be made, and they had to make this change. They had to fire Steve Nash. He really just hasn't been a good coach from the beginning. He just hasn't been. I mean, I mean he's been given a ton of talent, and the Nets have clearly underachieved in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, it's yeah, it's been a move that I think a lot of people thought you know, was already going to happen. I heard Saturday night he laid into his, the guys for effort, and again, I, I think you know. They probably didn't really respond to him. Again, I could imagine KD or Kyrie probably weren't too happy with it, um, that Nash was angry with them with the way the effort's been. And, you know, I know I know KD said he was surprised. He said he woke up from – he was napping when he heard about this. And I, I don't think – you know, I, I'm not shocked. I think he played a big role in this. But, yeah, that organization just such a dumpster fire. It really has – again, they built a great culture with Kenny Atkinson, what they were building with Jared Allen, Chris LeVert, 
They had it all going. And this is what happens when you let two superstars run and walk all over your organization. And this, 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 or them and the Cleveland Browns will always be losers because they, they can never gain good culture. And they just, they, I know we'll get to probably the other move in a minute as well, but they just, they don't, they don't understand, they don't, they don't know how to, they, they don't know how to make good moves. They just, every move, it's just, it's another avalanche of, of, of failures coming their way. It's just, it's, they, those two, you know, again, with the Nets, yeah, they had so much talent, but they just, they threw it all away. They couldn't get it together and they kind of had something going there for a bit, but then, you know, it's what happens. Yeah, they always know how to screw it up. Remember when they traded for the bit for Garnett and Pierce, and they were and they were terrible mm-hmm. a couple of years after that. And then, uh, then they got this this big break, and they did it. And you and you and you hit the hit around the head. They were building a culture with Lavert and Jared Allen. They were building a culture with Kenny Atkinson, and then they stupidly fired Kenny Atkinson, and then they hired Steve Nash. And Kyrie said, "We don't need to be coached. We don't need to be coached." Listen, Kyrie, you definitely need mm-hmm. to be coached. Even look at look at the look at the top teams in the league. When LeBron has won championships, he had Eric Spolster as his head coach, and he had Ty Lue as his head coach. Probably the top two coaches. Uh, probably those were the two best coaches he had. Look at the Warriors. I know they have Steph Curry, but Steve Kerr is a really good coach. I know coaching isn't as big in the NBA as it is in the NFL, but still, you got. I feel like you have to have a good coach to win an NBA championship, and the Nets clearly didn't. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. I think you'd need to have somebody that does kind of know the X's and O's somewhat. You know, could, you could see in the playoffs, you know, in big moments, Nash just didn't draw up very good plays. Or, you know, so I think that was a problem as well. But yeah, I don't think you need a great coach. You don't need that Hall of Famer, but you need somebody that kind of knows how to control the locker room. I know some of the stars don't like it, but you do need somebody that can kind of hold guys accountable sometimes. And, you know, you do need somebody that's decent. I don't think Nash is that guy, but I, 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 I imagine too, like Nash. Isn't that disappointing? Like I bet deep down he, but like deep down I bet he's kind of relieved because every the moment he got here, it was always a different sideshow. There was always a sideshow, something going on. So he never really got the coach either. Like there was a ton going on. I feel like for a first time head coach, that it that's tough to deal with too. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of the issues are with Kyrie Irving. I mean in tw- in twenty in uh, twenty twenty one he took time off for no reason. Then in uh then then last year I mean he does he chooses not to take the vaccine. I know it's your I know. What you put in your body is your choice, but if it's something you have to do to play, you really should do it. So, yeah, he's had a he's had a deal. It's not all him. I don't think he's a good coach, but it's not all him. This is definitely on. It's def, absolutely on Kyrie Irving. I think it's not more on Kyrie Irving than Kevin Durant. I think it's definitely on Kyrie Irving. And then Kevin Durant, as great of a player he is, he's just not a leader, and, and he's really proven it the, the, over the last six years when he joined two super when he joined the best team in basketball in 2016, and then he's came to the Nets, and he really just he's he's a great player, but the, the difference between him. And him, him, LeBron, him, and LeBron James and Steph Curry are—they're both great leaders. Durant isn't. No, he's not. And you know, he's never been able to control Kyrie and try to get Kyrie in the right kind of mindset. I know that's tough to do, and I know players don't go kind of against each other. But again, like Saturday night was another example of tone death comments that Kyrie made. You know, he could have kind of maybe didn't you know inside closed doors, but he could have kind of called out Kyrie for those things. He just hasn't, and yeah, that's been a problem. That's why. It has, again, he's still one of the best players in the world, but it has tarnished his legacy a bit to kind of win with the Warriors, to kind of go here and not be able to get it done, teaming up with Kyrie. Again, it was a mistake to team up with Kyrie in the first place, but absolutely, he has not been a leader um, since he's gotten in the league. It's just, he, he hasn't. And he's been somebody too that, 
when somebody kind of jumps on him on the media, he'll go respond at you. He'll go make these, you know, it just, he's not as thick skinned. And I wonder too, at times if he does get mad at somebody, you know, he doesn't want them barking back at him. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there's just, it's just, yeah, he's very thick skinned. He doesn't take criticism. Well, like guys like LeBron, they take the criticism and they get better because of it. Durant doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it just, he, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely hurt his legacy here. I think it hurt his legacy a little bit joining that team in golden state, not winning his own championship. I mean, he's going to be known as one of the great, one of the top players of our generation, but he just, you just can't put him in the same conversation as LeBron James. You absolutely can't put him in the same conversation as Steph Curry as well. No, you can't. Absolutely. And it's too bad because he's, he's right up there with those guys. He's, he's as good as those guys, but yeah, he just, he hasn't been able to win the championship. He's had a good enough team around him most of his um career. You know, he's, he's had talent and it's just, yeah, it just, it hasn't clicked for him. I, he's not a vocal guy for whatever reason. And, and I, I wish he would step up and, and be more of a leader and be more kind of a serve. Cause I, I think, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, he could be right there with LeBron. He could be, you know, in Curry and he, cause he he's at that level and yeah, he won't be, he'll still be, yeah. recognized as one of the greats that's, that's played, you know, during this generation, but yeah, you know, again, he could have, well, he could have four, you know, five championships. You know, he really, you know, if things went different for him and it just, it hasn't throughout his career and it's, it's too bad to see. It, it absolutely, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And uh, the, the, the next thing we got to get to though, is who's going to replace, uh, who's going to replace Steve Nash. And it looks like it's pretty obvious. It's going to be Ime Udoka. It looks like the Celtics are going to let him out, let him free, and Udoka is going to take over the head coach. And the big question is: Is will, can this team bounce back with Ime Udoka? I feel like they will a little bit, but I still don't think they'll be better than the Celtics or the Bucks with Udoka as the head coach. But it is an improvement. But as we know, there's a reason the Celtics are just letting him go. What he did was absolutely inexcusable. Yeah, and this is why I brought up the Browns because this is the same thing. They just, you know, they could. I just don't get it. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I just don't get why you because yeah, he did something again. The warrant is full length, full year suspension. Again, he had to do something, you know. Nobody knows what it is, you know. And I don't know what happened to investigate, you know, the investigation's been quiet with all that, but yeah, I just again, I don't, I don't think it's a great move for the Nets. It's just it's another tone deaf thing by them, just not. And I know, I know KD and him got along the one, you know, when he was with Steve Nash's assistant. But I know Kevin Durant got along with Steve Nash when he was the assistant at Golden State. So, I, I again, I don't, I don't think there's going to be much to turn this thing around. I, I think you know, I think KD is going to play hard because I think he wants. I think you know, I think he wants to kind of show teams around the league who are interested in him that he could still play and he's worth trading, giving up your your future for. But I don't know. Kyrie was horrible last night. He was two for eleven. I don't know Kyrie's into it and. Some of these guys around him, I, I don't think it's going to change too much. So the Nets, the Nets are going to, they're going to get at least in the play on game though. They should get a, they shouldn't even have to at least play in that. But um, I just, I don't think it's going to help too much. Yeah. I think they get in the play in tournament, but they, depending on who that coaches, I think they do get in the play in tournament, but they don't go much further. They're not, they're not on the Celtics and Bucks level. And I think right now I'll take the Cavs over them. I'll take the Hawks over them. I'll take teams like that over them. I'll even, I'll take the heat over them. I'll take all. I'll take all those teams over the Nets right now. That just the, the chemistry is absolutely terrible, and it looks like they probably should just parted ways with Durant and Kyrie in the offseason because it looks like they're just going to part. It looks like Kyrie's probably not even going to last the year with this team. No, probably not. I'd let I let LeBron go deal with Kyrie if he wants. You know that. Go show. <laughs> Imagine LeBron, that. Yeah. Imagine that. He joins the Lakers. They they trade Kyrie for Westbrook. 
Who are you taking over those two guys? I'd say neither. Yeah, neither. Yeah, the the the, the uh, oof, both those guys on locker room are not. They, they they don't help your locker room at all. So yeah, both those contracts are horrible. Um, but yeah, the, they 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 do get in the playing game. But yeah, they they're playing around at least. They they, they don't have the talent. I it, I agree. They should have just they should got rid of this thing. I know this is their hail mary of trying to bring in Yumi Doka here, but it's just not gonna work. I just think these guys are kind of. I I just think it's over with. I think you're way past kind of the time to, of, of a point where you're going to turn this ship around. And uh, it just, again, they've mortgaged their future. You got to try to get something back for it because you're again, maybe it's a, maybe it's a couple media, maybe it's a mediocre season, but it's nothing like, you know, having with Katie and Kyrie, you should be a title contender and they're, and they're not with those two right now. And they probably won't be. Oh, absolutely not. This team is, I think I have to be, to be honest, this team is far away from being a title contender. But now talking about, now we're going to talk about two championship contenders, and that's the World Series between the Phillies and Astros. Last night, the Phillies, with that crowd, won 7-0 over the Houston Astros. Bryce Harper, he's been unbelievable in the postseason. I think you could argue he might be the best player. I mean, outside of Aaron Judge, he might be the best player in the game right now with the way he's been playing. He's been unbelievable for that Phillies team. And the Phillies team just hits. They're, they're like six – they're 7-8 they're, they're deep in the lineup. I mean, you got Schwarber, who led the league in home runs. You got – and then obviously you got Hoskins, Realmuto, Harper. Uh, Bohm, Castellanos, Segura. That lineup is so deep, and that and, and they, they they've they've been the better they're the they're the better hitting team, and they've definitely been the better hitting team in that series. I mean, down five nothing in game one of Justin Verlander. That was that was huge. They made that comeback. They got the game tied in the fifth inning, and obviously Real Muto had that big home run. They did lose game uh two game two. Valdez pitched well, but last night McCullough didn't even have a chance against that lineup and that crowd. And and uh, Suarez pitched really really well for them too. So so uh. Phillies up two to one, but the big question is: is what do the Astros have to do tonight to tie the series? For me, there's two things. Javier has got to have a good start. Christian Javier, he's he's got to, he's he's got to have a really good start. He pitched pretty well in that game three against the Yankees uh, he, when he, when he, in, the, in the ALCS. So he's got he's got to come up big. He's got to he's got to have a big start. But let's be honest, he's not facing the Yankees. Not a Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. He's at Citizens Bank against a better lineup. So he's got to have a good start. And Altuve and uh, Alvarez got a hit. Those two guys got a hit, and if they don't hit, just like I said, uh, well, just like we previewed the, ser- the series last week, if those guys don't hit, the Astros won't win the series. Those are my two things that have to happen tonight for the Astros to tie the series. Yeah, for me, things that Astros got to do try to tie this thing up is yeah, number one for me, it's that lineup as you mentioned. They they've really they haven't clicked you know much at all um the series. You know, I know game one they they got five yeah five runs. I know. They got five runs in game one and two that they didn't do much last night. Altuve hasn't been great. They really haven't got much production out of that DH spot. They, you know, um, you know, because against the Yankees, kind of, you know, that bottom of the order was kind of doing some damage or getting some walks at least. And they really haven't been able to do that much. They're going to have to start doing that in this series. And yeah, Altuve's batting, I think, one fifth or 160, I believe, now in the playoffs. He's got to get going at the top of the line. They, they need him to start hitting. And then, yeah, for me, the other one is, um, it's it's I think it's a it's um it's on Baker Dusty Baker too, Verlander I thought actually the time for Master I see this thing ending at six. Um, I think it could end five. I think the way the way the Phillies are playing, the way the Phillies are playing at home, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing ends in five. I mean I mean Nola's pitching. I know Nola didn't pitch well in game one, but Nola's pitching tonight for the Phillies at home, and he's definitely been better at home in the postseason than he's been on the road. So I I wouldn't be surprised if this thing if this thing ends in five. No, I wouldn't either. 
I agree with Tech. I think this goes six. I think the Astros do get to. I think Javier pitches really well tonight. I think they find a way to win a low scoring game tonight. But I think it. But I'm with if they lose tonight, it's over tomorrow. I don't. I. Yeah, I don't think Verlander gets this thing to game six. If you know, I, I think they're gonna have a lot of problems trying to call, you know win tomorrow down three one. Um, and, and Hector makes a good comment. Houston has never been good at home in the World Series. That's a great point by Hector right there. They haven't been. Yeah. They they uh in the World Series in they were decent in seventeen. They won two out of three, but they were awful, awful in two thousand eighteen. They lost all four games in that series, and then they lost two of the three games last year in, in at home, and then they they split this year. Yeah, they have not been good in the World Series, and we said it before the series. If the Phillies can get a split, they're going to be in really good shape. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, that's that's worked out to their advantage, especially the way they came back down, you know, down down game one, five nothing. Um, it, it definitely switched that series around pretty quickly. It looked like the Astros are gonna be the much better team in that series. But yeah, they they really had can they you know it, they destroyed the Yankees at home, but yeah, other than that, like you know, World Series, they haven't been great at home for, for whatever reason. It's I know it's not as wild as the, the Astros or even the Yankees at times or Boston, but or even Atlanta too last year was nuts, but I, I'm surprised because they do have a really good loyal fan base that do seem to get into it. So it is odd that they don't. But I wonder too, with after all this cheat, you know, all the stuff after being accused that they kind of like all the booze and all that, and they kind of play to that, play their hand in that. But I, it could be something. But still, it, it is odd that they really have not played well at home. Yeah, absolutely. And let's get to Dusty Baker and his decision tonight not to start Justin Verlander. I don't. I, I don't get it. To be honest, I think you got. You got. I know he's really struggled in the World Series. He gave up that five nothing lead in, in, in Game One. But I think you got. You got to have your ace on the mound tonight. The Phillies have one of their best pitchers on the mound. I think you got to have your ace on the mound. I know Javier has pitched well in the postseason, but I think you got to have your ace on the mound tonight if, if you're the Astros. I kind of agree with going Javier. I because even if Verlander. I saw said too. I know Verlander's ERA is a six in the World Series. But when he's not facing the Yankees in the postseason, it's like 4.55 in the playoffs, not facing the Yankees. It's like a two facing the Yankees. Um, but Javier's been good. I think you give him the ball tonight. Again, oh, I wow. I I do agree with him because I again I but Verlander kind of showing the way he did the other night. I think yeah, I think the Phillies feel pretty good again going up against them tonight. You know, again, I think you could probably make the same case tomorrow, but Again, I do worry about the Ashes they lose tonight because I don't know if Verlander is going to go out there and, and get like seven shutout innings. I don't think Javier does that, but I think Javier can get you five, six good innings tonight, you know, giving up a couple runs. The way he mixes it up, I, I think Javier could kind of limit that lineup a bit and, and keep them in it and kind of try to get that home crowd out of it by keeping them off the board for a while. Big thing for Dusty is he's got to win this game. He's got to win this game because he's going to get a lot of criticism for not starting Verlander if he doesn't win this game. Yeah, no, he absolutely will. You know, and again for Paul, he didn't. He waited too long to pull McCullough's last night. Friday night, I know it was Verlander, but when that thing was getting tight there, I think maybe you pull the hook on him there too. But I, I you know, I know that's a, that's a tough one because it is Verlander. Um, but yeah, I, again, you know, Dusty hasn't been great so far in the World Series, but yeah, he he needs, you know, he he's got to uh, he definitely get criticized if. They, if they lose tonight and, and Javier does get rocked, yeah, it's going to be a long day tomorrow for uh, Dusty. Now, what do the Phillies need to do to, to go up 3-1? I think they got to get off to another fast start, just like they did last night, another fast start. And Nola's got to be better than he was in game one, but he, Nola has pitched really, really well at home in the postseason. He pitched really well in that game against the Braves. So I, th I think the biggest key is, is Nola's got to be really good. 
and the offense has got to get off to a fast start for the Phillies to go up 3-1. Yeah, for me, it's that bad middle of the lineup's got to continue to just rake. You know, again, five home runs last night. You even got a home run from Marsh at the at the number nine spot. So, yeah, that, that lineup, they keep raking the, the way they are. Um, it, it's Again, they're, the Astros, I don't think, are going to beat them. And yeah, I think you know for um, Noel tonight, get off to that fast start and get the get the you know get a nice early lead like they did last night because I don't think the Ashes are coming back. Um, with the way that crowd is, I, it's going to be very difficult to come back. And you know, as I mentioned, I, I think it Philly if the Phillies got out to an early lead tonight, you know, two nothing something like that. I think the series is over tomorrow night. I I, I really do. I don't think the Ashes would come back. Um, but just the way that crowd's been, I Philly's been playing right to their hands so. I think Philly gets off there early tonight. They they're you know they're looking really really good. Yeah, if the if the Phillies went tonight, there's a really really good chance that th- that they're going to win this series in five games. But we got the college football first first college football ranking rankings. They came out uh, y- yesterday, and we got a humo- we got the game of the year uh, in Athens, Georgia. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal tailored plan lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no, There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All right, the college football playoff, the first week of the college football playoff rankings came out last night. And a little bit of a surprise at the top is you got Tennessee number one, you got uh, uh, Ohio State number two. Ohio State number two, Georgia number three, Clemson number four, Michigan number five, Bama six, TCU seven, Oregon eight, USC nine. USC nine. A little bit of a surprise here. Two loss LSU number ten. So, uh, what are what are your early thoughts of these rankings? Are you surprised that Tennessee's number one? No, because I think on paper they've been or 
with the eyeball test, I think they've been the best team in the country. The way they, again, the way they went to Death Valley and blew out LSU, and now they're ranked number ten. You know, to the um, to the voters, I think that's huge. You know, obviously they got the best one in the country with Alabama there. Um, so it doesn't shock me. Again, I, I think Tennessee, Ohio State, have been one two. Um, but I think we've seen a little bit more from Tennessee in the top competition than we really, you know, Ohio State took a while there to pull away from Penn State. It was on the road. They ended up winning by 13. So Ohio State, they look good, but uh, we really haven't seen them play too much competition um, so far. But, you know, by kind of the only one is, is four or five. I think Michigan is better than Clemson. I, I, I- yeah. I agree. I definitely agree. I think I would take Michigan over Clemson because Clemson's definitely squeaked out some wins this year against Syracuse and against Wake Forest. They definitely squeaked out some wins and probably the worst conference in college football. Yeah, it's it's not it's not good this year. The ACC it's, it hasn't been good the last couple of years. Um, you know, there's a variety of reasons of why. Um, and then yeah, and then the other one too is TCU and Alabama. I I know the committee said, well, could we want to balance attack and. You know, we, they've con they've fallen behind, but they've played they, you know, outside of West Virginia the last four weeks before they played a top twenty five team, and yeah, maybe they fall behind in those games, but they still win. They've done more than Bama. Bama squeaked out a win against A and M. They should have lost that game. You know, Alabama hasn't looked overly impressive this year. Uh, you know, I think it's a top of the of the tier. You know, I know we'll see them this week against LSU. They got Ole Miss next week. Two tough road games, but. Uh, again, but that's brand. That's brand, and that that's why I didn't even watch the show. I just watched it after because I really wow. Well, he was gonna be ahead of Alabama. You, 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 I, you, you so you knew Alabama was gonna be ahead, even with one. Loss. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because it, it's a big brand. That's why. That's why Clemson's ahead because Clemson's been on top of the rankings lately. Like it's just you know I don't know that that you know I I, I kind of saw that one coming. So um, the rankings kind of I don't know. I, I don't like listening to the committee chairman. I just I don't know. I they just like to stir up the drama there, and I'll I'll, I'll wait till after the rankings come out to to I'll I'll find them afterwards. I won't watch the show. With Oregon and USC in the eight and nine spots, do either of those teams have a chance to get to the playoff? I think Oregon has a better shot because they're undefeated in the conference. But do you think either of those teams have a chance to get to the college football playoff? Yeah, I do. I, I definitely do because I think Oregon again. I know they got absolutely blasted by Georgia, but you think. New, they had a whole new staff, a whole new quarterback. They were going into Georgia. They, they were playing in Atlanta. Like they're, you know, that was a tough game. Yeah, I thought they should have kept it closer, but I, I do think they run the table because they got Utah coming in a couple weeks. You probably then would get USC or UCLA, whoever wins that showdown in a couple weeks. That's another top kind of win there. So, because I do think TCU does fall, unless if um Georgia. Knocks off Tennessee this week. I think that's how it would. Yeah. Um, or no, if um, or if Tennessee knocks off Georgia this week, and then Bama knocks off Tennessee in the in the uh, SEC championship game, you could maybe see a potential of three SEC teams getting in. I don't know. Ohio State, Michigan's kind of toss up. I don't think Clemson's losing either. You know, with the ACC. But I could see Oregon getting in. I think Oregon or UC, US, USC with the brand there too. I think both of those two two teams could definitely get in. Looking at it around ten through fifteen, I will go even lower to seventeen. A little bit of surprises there. You got two loss LSU ahead of Ole Miss. I, I even though LSU beat Ole Miss, I probably would have had Ole Miss ahead of LSU. Uh, you got Illinois at sixteen. I mean, below Kansas State, Utah, and Penn State. Do you, uh, you think the Fighting Illini are getting a little bit of disrespect there? I 
think with the Big Ten, I look, I really like Illinois. Like you picture Brett Bielma. This is this is the teams that he was Wisconsin. A decent enough quarterback, a really good running game, a really good defense. Like this is his Wisconsin teams that are really really good. But yeah, like for me with Illinois, I think they could kind of hang around. But with their defense, I don't know if their de- you know if their offense could do enough. I you know I, I think they got a pretty good team with the roster. I don't know if ahead of, if they beat Kansas, they may beat Kansas State. I don't know if they beat Utah or, or Penn State. I think I know they beat Penn State last year. They may with that defense. That, was, know, a, that, was, a fluke, that was a fluke game. But I do think yeah. they should be ahead of Penn State because Penn State doesn't have a shot to make the college football playoff. Illinois does. Yeah, no, Illinois does at the moment. You know, they run the table. They get Ohio State or Michigan. I they're room for Michigan because Michigan plays in their hands better than Ohio State does. Um, but yeah, I I, I think Illinois is you know I, I'd put them right around 16. Um, you know maybe you could put them ahead of Kansas State, Utah, Penn State because yeah they do have those two losses. But I do think like if you you remember Wisconsin with Brett Bielma, it, this is his team. Like those these are yeah. exactly what his Wisconsin teams were. Yeah, it looks like because they're able to run the ball really, really well. Imagine if they beat Indiana earlier in the season. What, what things it, would be like in Champaign? And they they should have won that game. They're, 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 I, I don't usually like to blame refs, but there was four egregious calls against Illinois. They should have won that game. So yeah, it, it is disappointing because yeah, they they probably should because Indiana's not that good. They had that game won and just a couple of bad calls that they don't go against them. They're they're sitting right there. You know, they they'd be undefeated. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But we got to get to the huge game, the game of the year, and this is Tennessee heading to Georgia to face uh, to face to face the Georgia Bulldogs. And I think this is a fun, close, competitive game. But I'm, I'm going to take the team with the better roster and the more experienced coach and the better running game. And I got Georgia win the close one. I think it'll be pretty high scoring. I got Georgia winning at 31 to 27. But Justin, can Hendon Hooker keep the Vols at number one? I got the Vols. I'm taking him on the road. Nolan Smith is done for the year. And he's tore pectoral muscle. They're hope he's hoping he can kind of work out for teams in the NFL draft. He's probably gonna miss the combine more than likely. But Nolan Smith has three of their 10 sacks, and George is last in the SEC this year, um, with only 10 sacks. You know, and I go back and I look at Georgia, they you know, kind of let Florida hang around there for a little bit in the second half. I know they blew him out in the fourth quarter. But Georgia hasn't faced a really good offense all year. You know, outside of Oregon, but I would like to see that now. I still think Georgia probably won by a couple scores, but not by, you know, 50 like they did last time. Kent State is kind of similar to Tennessee in the way they run their offense. And Kent State had some success against them. Even Missouri had some big plays. And the weakest part of Georgia is in that secondary. And Tennessee is going to exploit that. You know, with the way they play with, you know, they, you know, they use all – um they use the whole space of that field. And with the spacing they 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 use, you know, they're gonna, you know, they they make Georgia expose how many guys are gonna have in the box. And then they run, they go run or play, or they go run or pass off of that. And Tennessee's a better running team than they were last year with Jabari Small. They he's a really good runner. They got Cedric Tillman back. I and I and Bennett's kind of turned the ball over a couple of times last. They've nine turnovers the last five games. Tennessee's defense isn't great. But I don't know if Georgia's going to be able to put up points. I think – I just don't – I don't think Georgia's – I think Georgia's defense is still good, but I don't think it's as elite as people are, are, are kind of saying it is. It, it is a downgrade, obviously, from last year, 
But I think Tennessee could put up some points against them. I, I, I really do. I think they expose them. I, I, I think because of their, their secondary. I think Tennessee makes some big plays. I think Hooker makes enough plays. He may throw a pick, but I don't see more than that. I, I see Tennessee win this game 38-34. So uh, who, who needs this game more, Georgia or Tennessee? I think it's actually Georgia because Tennessee has the Alabama win on their resume. And if, and if Georgia loses, their biggest win on their resume is Oregon. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I'm with you because I think if Tennessee loses this game anyways, you know, again, I think they're still in good shape, you know, at, you know, for the time being. I think they'd still be okay. But, yeah, if Georgia loses this one, there's not there's not another game where they can kind of make it up. And, yeah, the Oregon game looks pretty good. Um, that That's obviously going to help them. But we do know at times, too, the committee has been – they don't like the Pac-12. You know, they, they – you know. But, but they they're going to like USC. I guarantee you they're oh, going to like yes. USC. Oh, they're not going to yes. like Oregon, but they're going to no. like USC. Oh, yeah. You, you, you know that. They, they definitely will. So, yeah, I, I could see Georgia being in a bit of trouble because, yeah, outside, again, everybody that they played since Oregon, it's not very good. South Carolina, the only reason they were in the top 25 last week because it was an SEC team. They're not very good. And I know you know that. They're often stinks. But because they were, what are they, uh, you know, five and three, and they're in the SEC, that's the only reason they were in. So, South Carolina's not that good either. So, yeah, this is Georgia's big test since then. You know, Florida's had a bad year. So, yeah, absolutely. Georgia could be in a bit of trouble there um, if they, they lose this one, you know, especially depending on how they lose this one. So, uh, what does Tennessee got have to do to win this game? I think for them, you know, if they make a couple stops defensively, if they can force a turnover to for that defense, I think they can win it because I, I think, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to spread you out. I think they, they could really pick apart those cornerbacks. Um, and I think they could hit some big plays with Hyatt, you know, and now with Tillman, because Tillman's the guy that everybody was kind of talking about. He's potentially a first round guy. And I think he's still kind of, he still could be, you know, and, and Brew McCoy as well, you know, who's five star was at Texas USC didn't pan out there. And he's starting to really come along and be a key part of this offense the last two weeks. So I think with everybody Tennessee's got, I don't think Georgia has enough this year to slow them down. I know Tennessee got 14 points quickly last year against them. They didn't do much the final three quarters. But I, I think even down there this year, I think Kirby's going to have a tough time trying to find an answer to slow down that, that defense or that, what is, that offense. What does Georgia got to do to win the game? Georgia, Bennett can't turn the ball over. They're going to have to shorten this game. They're going to have to keep Hayden Hooker off the field long enough in that team. Kentucky tried to do that last week. It didn't work. And Levis did not play well at all. I, I you know, I don't, you know, that secondary is getting a little bit better, but, you know, Levis really is just, just tanking his draft sack right now. Uh, the way they could, Georgia can run the football kind of creates some problems for them. But if they can short this game and, and try to limit the possessions of Tennessee, they have a very good shot. Um, but they're going to have to put up points, I feel like. And I don't, and Bennett, Bennett looked good early, but the last couple of weeks, he's kind of looked a little bit fraudulent. And I think that could be a problem if he throws a couple interceptions in this game. We got another big game in the SEC as Alabama travels to LSU to face the LSU Tigers. And I think this is a close competitive game, but I think Bama pulls away in the second half. Bryce Young outplays Jaden Daniels. And I got Bama in, heading to Ole Miss with one loss. That's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a huge game next week between those two teams. But can Brian Kelly pull off a huge upset? Can Brian Kelly. Finally beat Nick Saban. Yeah, I don't know if he – I think this game's close, but I think Bama finds a way at that valley. I think Bama's got him 38-31, yeah. Sets up that big showdown. 
Lane Kiffin was defending uh, Nick Saban last week. He was going after uh, Jimbo for wow. the uh, offseason comments. Wow, wow, wow. He was stepping up for him. Did not like how he uh, did not like how he attacked him. So, uh, uh, you know, laying back in Saban's good graces, they're trying to be. Um, but yeah, I think the way LSU's ran the football, they've really found an identity that's worked out the play action um, the last few weeks. The LSU very quietly is kind of now six and two. Um, I get why they were in front of Ole Miss because they did get the head ahead. I don't mind that. Um, but Ole Miss kind of still, Ole Miss still does control their own destiny. Um, you know, so right now, and you know, if LSU loses on Saturday night, but I, I think Daniels, I think, yeah, I think Bryce Young makes a little bit more plays than um, Jaden Daniels does in this game. I think Bama wins this one 30 to 31. I don't think LSU has enough offensively to keep up. Their defense isn't great either. Like Florida ran all over them. I think Alabama's gonna be able to do that this week. I think um, Jameer Gibbs is gonna have a big day on the ground, but um, I think LSU keeps his club being a Saturday night. Brian Kelly's really figured that team out, but it's just they're not at the level yet. Um, they're close, they're getting there, but I, Alabama's got a little bit too much talent for them. We got a big one in South Bend as Clemson faces Notre Dame. Drew Pine has played better since he's taken over as a starting quarterback, Connecticut guy from uh, Connecticut guy from New Canaan. But in this game, it's going to be interesting. Is, I don't know is DJ starting? I believe so. I, yeah, I yeah. from what I've heard, but you know, Dabo's keeping that. And, um, yeah. Between. I, I think out of all the games on Clemson's schedule, I know they play South Carolina, but I think this is the game they could lose. I think Notre Dame is playing a little bit better. I think this is a low-scoring game, but I do think Clemson pulls it out. I got Clemson staying undefeated and winning 23-20, but can Marcus Freeman get his biggest win as Notre Dame head coach? I don't see it. I got the Irish going down 23-17. to I think, you know, the way to beat Clemson defensively is – in the secondary, because they don't have the talent that they have the last couple of years. But the problem is, and I know you know this, Drew Pine isn't great, and they don't have guys in the second. They don't have the weapons to be able to make big plays or make that you know that big thirty-yard catch. You know that's gonna um, really kind of um, you know make those corners kind of you know play press coverage or anything like that. Like they don't have the guys you know in the open field that are gonna make big plays, and I think that's the problem. You know, I think that offensive line starting to get a little bit better each week. Michael Myers pretty good at tight end, but I don't think, you know, unless you have Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, it's very tough. Your tight end's like a, it's the top guy on your team, you know, offensively for weapons. Um, I think Pine makes a couple interceptions this game. I think DJ plays well enough against that, um, it, you know, against Notre Dame's defense. I think they do enough in that game to win it. Um, it'll be difficult, you know, but I just don't think Nordian has the talent to kind of make hit some big plays against that secondary. You know, Pine Pine's been really going after um, Meyer. I could see you know Dabble maybe trying to double team him, try double team Myers this week to try to make him you know have to throw the deep ball. Um, but I don't you know I, I think Pine makes a couple of mistakes in this game. I think Clemson's a better team coming off you know a bye as well. I know I know Nordian trying to get it better, but you know, trying to play a little bit better. They ran the ball really good against Syracuse. You know, they Syracuse made a couple of mistakes in that game. And yeah, for Clemson, yeah, because they got Miami the 19th of Miami. That that Mario Cristobal, we both mentioned the Mario Cristobal to Miami was you know was not the greatest hire in the world. Um but I just I Clemson if they win this game, they're probably looking 12 and 0 going to the uh, AC championship game. It's North Carolina, which could be interesting. North Carolina could put up some points, but they can't stop anybody. 
Yeah, they they they, they definitely can't. They, they absolutely can't stop anyone. Remember that game with Appalachian State early in the year where they gave up like almost sixty points. Yeah, Drake, Drake May though. He's that's a you remember Luke May, that, yep. the basketball player. That's his brother. Yeah, it's his younger brother. Wow, wow. He wow. he on the run. He makes some. He makes throws that like Mahomes. I know it's a college level, but he makes throws that Mahomes and Allen can make like on the run. Like he is talent. He couple years, so he's gonna be the number one pick. I. I I truly believe it. He's gonna. I wouldn't be sure he went to Hives him before he, before he leaves either for the draft in the next couple of years. He's wow. good. Wow, wow. I'll be looking forward to seeing him in the next couple of years. But that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ for Justin Nafio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking week 10 of the NFL season and week 11 of the college football season. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.